Good morning. Thank you for listening to the podcast this weekend. I appreciate it. Today's guest is Maureen McGuire, recently retired journalist, spent many, many years at Channel 8. We'll talk about her uh, whole history. I love talking to journalists. I really, especially, to be honest with you, especially TV news anchors, not that I get a ton of opportunities to do that, but when I do, I love the opportunity because... They are so professional, so stoic, right? And, you know, no matter the story, they are always so um, unbiased, right? They report on everything in a very professional way. They don't show emotion, hardly ever. And I just think that's interesting. You know, my history in radio was full of emotion. The whole idea, I remember actually when I first got hired in radio, I remember August of 2005, when I was hired in radio, my program director, Roger McCoy, at Clear Channel, Ash Debula, literally on day one, trained us that our absolute number one job when we crack the mic open is to do one thing, two words, stir emotion. He said, doesn't matter what emotion. He said, doesn't matter. You know, we'll talk about how to handle, how to delicately handle things like sadness and anger. He said, probably don't recommend that on day one, but you'll get there. And I feel like I did over the years, but he said, you know, happiness, uh, joy, um, you know, laughter, like just any emotion. Every time you crack the mic, stir emotion, thoughtfulness, right? Uh, introspection, uh, making somebody question something, like just do anything you can to get their mind working. And uh, I always find it interesting. News anchors, you know, they're people, and they are successful people, oftentimes with journalistic backgrounds. They care about these stories. And so I want to get into that with Maureen a little bit on how how do you remain professional when you're reporting on, you know, tragedies and things like that? And, and how do you not pass opinions when you're reporting on, you know, scumbags and whatnot? So anyway, we'll get into all that. But I do want to talk, being that this episode is centered around the media, uh, I do want to talk about something very important that happened this week, and that is the announcement that Brother Wheeze will be inducted into the, this is not the Rochester Radio Hall of Fame. I don't even know if that exists, by the way. This is not the New York State Broadcasters Hall of Fame. This is the National Radio Hall of Fame. This is a very, very big deal uh, that Brother Weeze is being inducted. I think that you have to look at Brother Weeze's history, and and you have to, and as someone who sat across from him, I understand I have a, a unique perspective, but you have to look at his history first and look at what he did. I mean, you don't understand, I think, because we throw this around a lot, the amount of talent that that man actually has. And when I say talent, I mean charisma, uh, the ability to stir emotion, sure, like we said, right? The, what he has in his pinky finger is more than what most people have in their entire bodies, myself included, by the way. This is a guy who I watched for, let's see, I was with Weez for, <clears throat> geez, what was I with Weez for, about 10 years? I think maybe just a little less than 10 years. And I watched this guy just turn on the mic and go and uh many many times not being quite as prepared as i would want to be if i was in charge right um but 
nonetheless always finding his way, finding his path. That was what he was good at, I think. He was just, he had this ability. We had this ability to like just keep going, keep talking, keep it entertaining, keep it upbeat, and eventually find the right path. And I watched him do it over and over, right? Um, there, there was a lot of times where we would talk about, you know, whatever topic we were going to discuss. There were, uh, there's always like the obvious couple of points that you can go into on anything, any topic whatsoever, right? Um, so I'll give you an example. I'm sitting outside in my backyard right now. I've had a wonderful morning so far. We grilled tomatoes and peppers and eggs and everything on the grill. It was beautiful. Uh, but I'm sitting outside at an outdoor table, kind of like a deck table with four deck chairs. So let's talk about a chair, okay? Most broadcasters, if asked to talk about that chair, would talk about the frame, the armrests, the legs, the cushion, right? Weez would tell a story about the time he was in Florida and watched his buddy Joe T fall out of a chair on the beach in front of Dennis Rodman, right? And he would tell the story and he would make it 15 minutes long. You would laugh the entire way through it. Uh, it would just, that's the brilliance, right? Taking, hey, talk about that chair, from talking about the chair to telly, telling stories, storytelling, telling stories about chairs. Weird example, I understand, but I hope you get where I'm going with that and why the man is so brilliant. He's still going to this day. I often get to work before 6 a.m. and I, I often don't leave during the day, but if I happen to leave in the morning, I always try to turn on the radio. He sounds good as ever to me. Um, he has, and here's another testament to him, and I don't mean this as a slam uh, against any of the people who have worked with him over the years, because I'm one of them, so I'm not slamming anyone else, but he has proven over the years that it doesn't matter who you put around him either. He will, he will always rise those people to the occasion. <clears throat> he will keep the show going no matter who you put, I mean, think about who he has around him right now and who he had around him on day one, okay? There, there's nobody from day one there. There, there's nobody from year five there or year 10 there. He has changed his cast of characters over the years, over and over and over, reinventing the show over and over and over, and always managed to bring it back uh, and turn it into the Brother Weeze show, uh, what the listeners want, expect, and love. And I just think that that's such a huge testament. And listen, I don't want this to seem... Like a complete, you know, uh, did I ever in 10 years working with the guy, did I ever have any differences in opinions? Of course I did. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been around anyone for 10 straight years and never disagreed with them one time? Okay, thank you, right? It's normal. Been I was around him for a long time, occasionally disagreed with him. It is what it is, you know? At the end of the day, I love the guy. I am so freaking happy for him for getting into the Hall of Fame. I can't think of anyone that deserves it more. I'll give you one final thing to sort of just show you exactly how great he is at what he does we would go to this thing you probably heard about on the radio we would talk about morning show boot camp <clears throat> well at morning show boot camp you would have personalities from all these different markets um, there would be people from major markets miami florida new york city boston chicago san diego and Weez was from rochester and Rochester's not a big market Rochester is, at best, a medium-sized market. Quite frankly, many consider it to be medium-small. I think it's medium-medium, but whatever. They would always, at these morning show boot camps, they would always put Wee's center stage. Wee's would be on panels 
I'm talking about a stage in a conference room full of a couple hundred people, a stage up front with seven chairs, with radio personalities from Minneapolis, Chicago, San Diego, Miami, Boston, New York, and Rochester. Clearly a difference in market size there, right? Who do you think shone? Who do you think shone? Shined? Who do you think shined? <laughs> God. <laughs> Who do you think shined brighter than anyone else? Wheeze. I'm telling you, I witnessed it. Wheeze. Every single time outshined people from major markets. Every single time. And so one thing I think Rochester needs to be grateful of is the fact that he stayed in Rochester the whole time. Because, again, I think you have to have listened to the show a long time to have caught these stories, but he's told them over the years. He had a couple of opportunities to change markets throughout the years and always ended up back in Rochester. And uh, I just think we're super lucky to have had him. I really do. I just, I really do, and I couldn't be more happy for him. I've witnessed his his brilliance. Um, he doesn't really, he's, this is the, I touched on this already, but he doesn't really prepare for his show a bit. I mean, I don't want to, I think sometimes he gets a bad rap for literally doing zero prep. He doesn't do literally zero prep, but I will say he skims the headlines, skims the bullet points, and kind of goes into the show with nothing more than just a few things that he is hoping to get to in the next few hours. And that's unreal. I mean, I've been a lot, around a lot of radio people. I have been a radio person myself. Many, many radio people require a ton more preparation, many more notes. Some are straight up scripting what they're doing. I mean, it's it's crazy what this dude has been able to do. So love you, Wheeze. Congratulations, Wheeze. Absolutely well-deserved. Thank you for sharing a mic with me for 10 years. It was the honor of my life, and I hope, hope, I always said this, I hope they stick with my idea. I do hear the show once in a while, and every time I hear the show, I do hear a couple of things that were either my idea or things that I implemented or created still being used to this day on the show, so that makes me feel good. But I do hope, I always said, if Weeze ever retires, meaning if Weeze ever says, hey, you know, this is it for me, end of this year, I'm done. If that ever actually happens, I want to make sure the last couple weeks on the air, bringing that we spend time bringing back every voice that was ever on the show for all those years anyone we can get got to get bj to town right got to get tommy mulay on the air with him somehow i know that would be a little more difficult but you know whatever you can do you got to get all those old voices on the radio with him one last time in those last couple weeks before he retires and i I would absolutely do it i i know i've really tried to separate myself from radio but if that was the case if he was retiring and they were bringing in every voice one last time 100 percent, i would go in and i would do a segment for sure and i don't know if they'd love me to be there but uh you know management can uh (laughs) management can just kind of suck it up and take one when that happens because i think it's the right thing to do um The list of people that should be on that show one last time is a long list, and I think it would make an emotional but also wonderful couple of last weeks of radio for Wheeze. Okay, all right, skipping around. Um, Let's get to the interview. Ladies and gentlemen, recently retired, here on a Friday morning in my backyard, Maureen McGuire. Enjoy.
so in retirement, you're learning how to cook. We have to talk because just right before no, we came hello. on. I, I mean, I'm sorry. Hello, I do a whole intro. So like, be- oh, okay. Yes, I, I know. I'm sorry. I'm sitting across from a professional communicator, and I'm like, so. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no. Yes. I've also gotten very bad at this over the last couple of years since Listen, I left. I look so. forward to joining that club. Just getting really bad at yeah, the thing yeah. you've done forever and ever. But and the ever. thing about a podcast is, well, I mean, you did. You know, your pieces are half live, half recorded, right? Yeah. You're kicking constantly, kicking to record it. That's the same thing for me like this is coming out of a piece where i said and now maureen mcguire right so (laughs) so so you but you just showed me your screen which by the way yeah you have a broken screen like a 16 year old uh i know it's been like this for three years (laughs) my phone is in rough shape like anytime i ever see a young person screen it always looks like your phone looks right now well this is not from like skateboarding falls or anything like that. just random drops just repeated random drops so what can i why do we drop our phones so much i do it too I don't know. I constantly drop my phone. Yeah, or, or you know, and why did I get a black case? Finding I, this yeah. thing when it's lost is just a lost cause, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah, no, I know. But you, you were just showing me pictures on your phone <laughs> that you have started to cook, and you made an amazing meal. You did so many things right there, and you're worried because you said you don't know how to cook anything. Well, this took me, you know, a lot of, you know, swallowing hard and, like, yeah. wiping tears from my eyes well, and, like, am I going to do this Describe right? the dish to us. Let's, let's turn this into a this cooking is, show. <laughs> <laughs> this is, well, okay. Can I just yeah. give you a caveat here? Yes, yes. When I say I'm learning how to cook, my boyfriend did most of it. Oh, really? Okay, all right. I did the chopping. All right. And watching. All chopping right. and watching because he's determined. It's like, this cannot stand. You have to cook, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I've never been confident, you know, as a cook, ever. And, well, I've never had a desire. How, do you I, feed, how have you fed yourself your whole <laughs> life? Like, do you just, do you do a lot of takeout or do you just... You know, no, I mean, I... You know, every once in a blue moon, I'll make like a fish chowder because I grew up on that stuff, you know, Irish in me. And and I know those recipes. But even then I'm following, you know, I'm having to look triple check the the menu and um, or, you know. If I can put it on a piece of bread. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good too. You know, rip open a bag of lettuce, you know, yeah. you know, a, an omelet here. You can hide a lot of things between a couple pieces of bread. <laughs> this morning, I grilled breakfast. I just sloppy peppers, <laughs> tomatoes right out of the garden, peppers out of the garden, eggs. But then I did a couple giant pieces of like grilled toast. And so it all looks kind of sloppy, but you throw a couple pieces of toast in between there, and all yeah. of a sudden it it seems great. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I I used to know somebody. He was uh, I knew him in college, and he went on to become a a chef. But he used to do simple things like we'd go over for study groups in college. This is graduate school. I'm sorry. And he would he would uh, say, Hey, I'm just whipping up a you know sandwich here, and it's like his sandwich would be like baked brie yeah, with right. a slab of like some exotic jam yeah. between two pieces of grilled bread, and you know. And we'd never get studying done because the guy was just like serving up these great meals, you know, yeah. just to sustain us through, you know. But yeah, yeah, you know, it was his sandwiches that I love the most. Oddly I, enough, chefs I think are sandwiches. Gu- oh, sandwiches are great. But she- chefs are chefs are guilty of like in the early in the pandemic, they would do these cooking shows where they'd be like, "I'm going to show you how to make something with what you have in your cupboard." And then they'd be like, "This is cardamom from the hills of India." <laughs> like, okay, I yeah, don't have yeah, that. Exactly. <laughs> Nobody has that other than you. <laughs> I know, I know. But you know what? For me, it's just uh, I want to. I want to get 
the hang of how things taste together, ingredients, putting ingredients together. I mean, I feel like that's going to help me gain some confidence and yes. learn to cook. You know, like this dish, this pasta dish, which yes, is basically, it, it was cherry tomatoes from a garden, um, basil uh, chopped up, um, some garlic, mm-hmm, minced, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, olive oil. <laughs> what else is that? And that was it. We just let it sit. That's, you know? I literally and have that, a sauce on the market that is that. Oh, that, it, was, it was delish. The only difference in what you did so right that I've been dying to tell you for the last 10 minutes, <laughs> cherry tomatoes. Yeah. Uh, not enough people try sauce with cherry tomatoes. It it's was a really delicious good. sauce. It was sweet. And, you know, we, we kept um, to taste salt, yeah, pepper, yeah. salt, pepper. And then, then the sugar came in. It's like, let's try the sugar. And it was... It made such a huge difference. Yeah. Um, but it was a wonderful meal, a wonderful meal. You Can know? I give you a little tip on cherry tomato chopping? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, because these were tiny little things. Yeah, and you're doing them one at a time, one at a time, right? So if you take a bunch of cherry tomatoes and lay them out on a cutting board, and then you take what would work really well would be like the top of a Tupperware, just some big flat piece of anything, and press it on top. You can hold like 30 of them in place at once. And then you take one knife, and you cut like 30 of them at one time. Do you get what I'm saying? You kind of sandwich them on yeah, there. Yeah, but how do you how do you make sure that you're not slipping and sliding and making mincemeat of those tomatoes? Um, you, you buy, to be honest with you, you just need a really sharp knife. I would say. See, that's what I thought. Yeah. The other night, I thought, "Wow, I need new knives." You probably do. Yeah. You probably do. I, I think that uh, if you're going to start doing some cooking, having a really nice set of ni- a nice set of knives is important, and a really really sharp chef's knife is super important because of what you just talked about. Because if you, that's happening to you, that just means your knife is too dull. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. And because have you had like the same knife for years and years? Something like that? Yeah. <laughs> oh God. I, yeah. <laughs> decades. A lot of people have. A lot of people. I'm have. like, I don't even know where these yeah. knives came from. Get, I've get inherited knife. knives that people leave yep. at my house. You know, it's like, wait, why do I have a? You know. Get a good knife. Get like a knife sharpener as well. And also, here's the other tip: never, ever, ever put that knife in the dishwasher. That's oh, another, yes. Really? Because think about water is corrosive. Like water. Uh, my friend Sheffrey used to always say, he said, you know how the Grand Canyon was formed? Water. Over years and years and years and years and years. So water is actually going to dull a knife as it gets splashed on by a dishwasher. So you're just going to, when you wash your knife, yeah. you're just going to do it sort of delicately with like a washcloth in the sink. Um, just just a little bit. Just And maybe the blade is just, you're going to barely touch that as you clean that. Wow. Just, yeah. Uh, news to me. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> uh, do you recommend particular knives? Because this is mm. the one thing that really was bothering me. The other there is day. one I'd recommend, but it I, I do worry. Just okay. So there are there's Mercer cutlery, which is good. I have I actually have Cutco in my house. Uh, wait, no, maybe that was yeah. I'm sorry. My phone is because here's the thing. Right now I'm actually on a day off of work, and so I have to keep my eye on the phone because we had an air compressor shit the bed yesterday. Am I allowed to curse in front of you, by the way? I'm sorry. Well, I, I'm retired. <laughs> so you're allowed to curse. Swear away. If I start cursing, you know I have really turned some sort of bizarre corner. <laughs> well, I just have to keep my eye on I have to keep a half an eye on the phone because the guy's coming to fix a machine today. Uh, is this the, at, oh, out at the... Um, out at the factory. Yeah. Yeah. What do you call it? Is it Craft Cannery? We call is it Craft Cannery. Because I remember being there with you when it's, it... We moved into yeah. a different building. Gosh, that was, I can't believe that you're... Why oh, did, so did you did you buy the company? I bought that company and we moved into a different building, brand new building. We just invested. Well, I knew that. That's why I was confused. Yeah, we just invested a ton of money in equipment and stuff like that. But yeah. uh, you came out and did a story on you on just me, beginning. like right at the beginning. Why did you do that? That was really really awesome of you. 
and it is still to this day the only time I've had a lot of press coverage. The only time I've ever teared up watching a story. Well, you're making me tear up now. Yeah. For a couple reasons. Yeah. When I when I met you, you were at Wegmans on East Avenue. I remember that. Dishing out some sauce. Yeah. Now I used to take my dad, who at the time was had Alzheimer's, and he was he was really beginning. He was just beginning his real decline. Mm -hmm. I know he'd had it for several years, but I used to take him here and there you know I'd, I'd bring him with me to do a lot of my errands just to keep him busy I'd pick him up and you know take him out and give my mom a break and so we were it was one of those days and I was looking pretty raggedy as I recall and didn't want anybody to know who I was so I don't even know if you knew I didn't at first Good, you had yeah. to tell me yeah, yeah. <laughs> the curly hair and yeah. the you know ripped jeans but um <laughs> but so I was at, and I I just what what drew my eye was the cut their cutout of your grandfather yeah Right away, I thought, okay, who, this is great, you know, and yeah, sure, I'll taste some of the sauce. And then I gave some to my dad, and, and, but you started it right away. I don't know if you remember, but you were engaging my father. Uh-huh. Like, I, sir, would you like some, here's some bread or something, you know, and, and you know, my father's like, sure, he would have eaten the whole thing, if you, <laughs> you know. Um, but you just started to tell the story, and I remember thinking, well, I have to do this story. You know, this is what I would do when, and this is why I loved being a reporter, by the way, because or an anchor, at least, you know, a storyteller, yeah. is, is, is when you do get a choice. And I did have a choice of stories. You know, I got to do whatever I wanted, really. But it's sort of organic. You're out there, and, and, um, and if something intrigues you, you go for it. Or you just know it's it's very hard. Maybe it's like cooking. You just know this ingredient's going to work here. I need to do this. You know, or I don't yeah. know. It's a creative thing. Yeah. Anyway, so that's how that was, and I do remember going. But I followed up, and maybe that a month or so later, I went out to the, and I I, I remember it was just one of my favorite stories to tell. I have no idea why. Maybe it's you. <laughs> you were very engaged. You made it easy to interview. You're an easy interview. You know, oh, thank you. you. But the family the family thing yeah. it's, it still gets me a little yeah. bit because you know and you know I remember my father watching that story yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, my my uh my grandfather passed away pretty early on into the business but he was around at the very beginning of the launch of the business and this was and I don't remember exactly what happened when but this is right around that time yeah so I think your story aired right after it's gonna make me emotional thinking about it too mm -hmm. your story aired right after he passed away so i i'm pretty sure he was gone by the time your story aired and i just it hit me hard man that was just beautiful and i still have it i have it up on my computer yeah, every once in a while passed away it. i remember you, he yeah. had it had it had pretty much pretty recent, right? just happened we were like several months after you had launched yeah. you know um but i just oh remember being out at permac and <laughs> stirring the sauce and being really here's the thing polly i re yeah. i I just remember being really inspired by you. I don't mean to like, <laughs> I know, and I don't want to overstate it or anything, but because it's hard to, even for like a major move that I've made, this, yeah. you know, it took me. Well, we're going to get into this. Don't three, worry. Three years. No, but you know, people make these major moves and yeah. here, I'll, here, what, five years later, six, is it yeah. six years later? Yeah. You, you've Crap done my pants every day. <laughs> you've done this <laughs> thing and now you've got a compressor that's broken. And, and an air compressor that's broken. <laughs> your days off aren't waited, really your days Murray, off. We waited like literally like two weeks for this air compressor yeah. and it shows up and it works for two hours. It shits a bed. What happened? I, I mean, don't, that's what I don't. Wait, but first of all, what is it? What does it do? An air compressor. So like the thing that fills the bottles works on air it goes oh yeah oh yeah right and then same thing with the capper it goes 
and that's all air. It's all coming from an air compressor. <laughs> yeah. So like none of it works without the air. <laughs> so you know. Yeah. And I'm not handy. That's the other thing. Like I don't know how to fix anything. Yeah. So well, you're not alone. It you breaks, fix, and yeah. like I'm on YouTube trying to fix this oh, thing. Oh man. And Call and the me. other th- here's the other thing that people don't think about is, and I have. 170 gallons of product sitting in tanks at that point that can't go anywhere. That's it. So anyway, I, this this is supposed to be about you. <laughs> this is why you're good at your job. How did you get this? T- you flipped this around. <laughs> well, are, is, I'm having this like, oh crap, though, over the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. And it's mostly filled with exhilaration and happiness and excitement, yeah. but it's also filled with plenty of, oh no, oh, yeah. scared, worried oh, sure. and everything. Yeah. What was it like for you to finally be like, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to retire. Was first of all, was it one hundred percent your decision to retire? Yeah, it was. Yeah. What was it like for you to finally come to that moment and say, "Okay, I've been thinking about it"? Because it's one thing when it's just in your head, right? Yeah. But the second you tell another human soul, oh yeah, now it's real. Oh well, that's the thing. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> I have been thinking about this probably beginning about five years ago. Little seeds, you know, like. But I was really undecided for all the reasons so many people are. Um, you know, after all these decades, why would you quit now? You only got a couple years left to just ride it out, you know, whatever. Yeah. Or um, what am I going to do? Yeah. Or how am I going to survive? You know, I'm not technically retirement age, if you must. I know I look 29. <laughs> you have the phone of a 16-year-old. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, but I, I, I just gently started planning as much as I could. And what kept tripping me up was this I knew in my heart that I needed and wanted to do something else what that something else is I don't know I also knew that I felt really stressed out and it wasn't just work although you know <laughs> reporting and is hard it's, it's a hard slog anchoring is not glamorous um, it's hard work and um, and I you know my bosses were so generous with me. They were so patient with me because I would go, I really, this is it. This is it. And they would be okay. And then I'm like, oh, you know, and that's, you know, I get kind of wishy-washy. Oh, did you do it a few times? And you, you know, and well, you know, like twice. And then, you know, but they, but it was this, the pandemic sealed the deal for me. Yeah. You know, I just knew what tripped me up and made it really hard. And it only became real. And then I realized, oh, I'm really ready. I must be okay. Is when I started telling people, mm-hmm. you know, my close, closest friends knew, my family knew for years they've known this was going to happen. They just didn't know when. This past year, I, I felt really, literally, I felt burned out. I, it was and no, no amount of trying something different was changing it. You know, I was still working hard. I was still proud of the team. But I just knew. It was like, wow. And, and the more the pandemic and all of the weirdness of the whole year dragged on, the more I knew, if not now, when? If not now, when? So, you know, my contract was up this past August. And it was just time. So in the winter, I sat down. And it was fine. But once I said something... It was tears for a day, mm-hmm. tears for a day, and then it was over. It was over. I've been ready, and I I think because the tears stopped, I knew okay. Was, but it, but the but the not knowing what's next kept making me wishy washy. Sure. Yeah. And I realized that for me, just for me, I need to stop first, play a little, jump in a lake, cook a little. I don't know, and then get into it. You know, like I don't know what's next. I don't. Do you have any interest in bottling sauce? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you know, 
<laughs> I, I'll call you if it gets to the point where I'm like, you know, maybe I'll bottle some. I want to go work in a factory. <laughs> or, or, or fix air compressors. You know? Air compressors. Listen, I can offer 86 <laughs> degrees and no windows. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. If it gets to that, like I said, I'll give yeah. you a call. Yeah. Oh, so I... I I love that you are um, looking for something else. I think that that's awesome, and I I think I can totally relate to the to that to this idea of okay, so I've done this, I loved this, right? And I do want to go back in time a little and talk about the career and yeah. everything and yeah. what made you fall. I in did love. love it. Yeah, you loved it, and I bet to this day there's a place in your heart for it, right? Oh I yeah, mean, there you know, always will. Be. There always will be, yeah. of course. Uh, but I love that at one point you're looking at this going like, wait a minute, you know, I'm young, and you are in the grand scheme of things young, right? Yeah. You're like, I'm young. I got a lot of years in front of me. Mm-hmm. I I'd like another thing. If on not- it was it was like if not now yeah when yeah yeah when it was just that simple and and uh do you i know you don't know what you're going to do next but when you look at the different just general ideas of what to do next i know you're involved in a ton of not-for-profit and charity work (laughs) yeah that seems like a place you pour your heart into i will i already have some stuff cooking is that a place where you could could you see yourself as an executive director of something (laughs) (laughs) i don't think anybody else can see me as an executive director they'd be like oh please no (laughs) it's like i my cooking you know (laughs) don't give yourself enough credit no you know what who knows i as somebody said to me what are you going to do i said i don't know i could either i might frost cookies at leo's bakery there you go or start my own company and become a ceo i don't know i yeah. it's that wide open uh-huh. i have a feeling the beauty of stopping it has is our it just just been three weeks and in three weeks literally i've jumped in a lake mm-hmm. first time i've done that in 20 which years which lake did you jump in Cuca. I like it. You know, I, like I mean, it. Yeah. usually it's like, oh, let me just dip my toe in. You know, no. You just went in. You it was jumped. like running jump. Yeah. Wait, did you at least like put on a bathing suit or something? Or did you just. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. I was clothed. Okay. All right. Oh, yeah. You didn't. It was not skinny dipping. And I was picturing you at full at like full anchor outfit <laughs> no, straight no. from the But you set. know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't check my phone. I, I ate gloriously. Oh, hell yeah. Drank a lot of wine. Yes. You know, it was just a beautiful. Didn't set an alarm clock. No, no, it's great. I read. Um, But in the three weeks that I've just sort of, I've actually been kind of busy, the, you know, carpeting. But um, I've realized a couple things. I'm shedding some skin. You know, the stress. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. And the... And not just stress. It's about letting go. It's it's some of it's like, oh, my God, when Cuomo resigned, it was two days after I left and I was crying like, oh, my God, I need to be there. I yeah. should, you know, I'm texting. Do you guys need any you know, help? You know, I mean, I'm still, I'm still, yeah, the bug's I'm still, still a Channel 8 gal, you know. In, it's like, in your blood. Yeah. 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 But. Um, you but, were a Channel 8 gal. You spent, de- I mean, you were a Channel 8 for 20. Yeah. Four? 25, oh, 24 years. 24 years? Yeah. And uh, then, you know, 35 in the business. 35. And yeah. Um, but, but the three weeks that I've been off, I, I kept thinking I need to just completely renounce all broadcasting, storytelling, writing. I need to just blah, blah, blah. Like, right. what's not, I don't, I don't, because I don't know. And because it had been a source of such angst in the last couple of years as I was trying to figure out what to do. Like, oh, I must, I must renounce that to do something different. Right. And, and because it was because I I felt so ready, but wasn't doing, I wasn't acting on what I wanted. I was getting more and more burnt out. It was nobody's fault. It was just me, you know. So here's the thing: last three weeks, I've done nothing but sleep in, <laughs> eat well, play, and and 
it's it's enormously wonderful. I, I just can't recommend it enough. <laughs> why do we have to do? Why do we have to do anything? Why exactly. do we need another thing? Yeah, and yeah. and but and realize that I gave myself a gift yeah. by planning for it. You know, there will never be. I I I, I will need to work at some point. But I've. I was going to ask you planned for it. So you're talking about financially? Yeah, but like you, you know, I did the I did sure. the, the baby steps. There's yeah. not no huge things here. At some point, I'm going to have to get really practical and start thinking. But you know. But I, it was like to be able to, to know that you've provided for yourself yeah, and, yeah. or your family in a way that I did that. Yeah. It was a great feeling. The other thing, this is just three weeks time now. The other thing is I realized just sit, hanging out in my backyard the other day in like sweltering heat uh, <laughs> was that, wow, you know what? I really, I really do like to perform. Why? Why would I like? You don't need to shed a skin. You just need to kind of relax a little bit. Like, and you, there's something else here that I can go to. Are we talking but, about stage? Well, or? not stage, but I really do like to tell a story. I do like to. I, you know, you need somebody to what get up in front rape? of a crowd and talk. I can do it. Yes. Like, you know, you know, all this stuff. It was kind of like at a very core level, reclaiming gifts that I'd just been dismissing because I. I I was so stressed about leaving and stressed about what am I going to do and who am I? And it became like this huge existential crisis. Yeah. And it was a relaxing into the truth. of. And here's another thing that was a beautiful moment. I, little things like I remember when Adam, dear Adam Chodak, who is beyond phenomenal, um, he, and it's just been like, I was so lucky when he came in. It's been six years of working with him, mm-hmm. the last six years. And he's by far the I mean, he's one of, if not the best in town. I really think he's so. the he's incredible. Yeah. And I mean, gosh, you saw how lucky I was. But you know, he said, oh, "Let me let me interview you about stories you like." Right? Like, oh God, no, no, no. I I the camera turns on me. No, no, no. God, no. You know. And um, and it it was just a, a story about my interviewing, and he talked about three stories that I just I picked three random. You know, these are stories I loved. So once, two days after I left, I was laying on my couch, kind of like, just like, wow, here I am. I did it, you know? And I decided to watch the story because I didn't really, I watched it through like, it, it was not, I saw it the night I was leaving, but I was on air and it was just kind of. the same, right? So I play it and I, I, I stopped and I thought, wow, I'm great. <laughs> That's, I love it. You are. No, you know what I mean? But yeah. it, this was a genuine, this was just a moment of going, it was, it was without condition this is what i'm saying wow it was like you know shedding skin and reclaiming something at the same time because when you're going through such major life changes everything is like well i'm great but you know i really need to work on this this is how we are this is how life is this This, is such a good life lesson you're teaching i I see this was like i'm great and that was it i was like holy the things hey i'm a mature woman but there i was like i'm a like I have a story people should hear you know what I mean it was great it's it was such a wonderful. good life lesson like um, you know just just think about the moment you're in and, and always right I'm always thinking about what do I need to do to be better but yeah. just screw that for two seconds yeah. enjoy this moment right yeah nobody is nobody's good enough at that we do not stop I think enough just to say man I am <laughs> doing okay I was gonna swear yeah. but you know what I mean curse you can do <laughs> have you ever cursed into a microphone have you ever done it? Yeah, first job. I got really? in trouble and was suspended for two weeks, but it wasn't deliberate. No. Oh, let's talk about your first jobs. All right, you're a Rochester girl. You go to you go to school in Missouri, right? I did. You yeah. go to school in Missouri, and now you need, and now you got to get those first couple of gigs. You end up back in Rochester after a few years. Yeah. But what were those first couple of gigs? 
Oh my gosh! So those the job in which I was suspended <laughs> from, or is that that was the very awkward time? Is your but very it, first job you got suspended from? Yeah. Oh, this I, is it amazing. It was radio. It was public radio. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was news, and you know, in those days, you know, the boards are the radio boards. There was no delay. Or... N- well, I don't even know what that means. All I know is I had to run the whole board myself. Yeah. Bring in, open a cart, close the cart. You know, bring up my sound, pot down my, my my own microphone. It was crazy, and it was I was just anchoring a three minute newscast. Yeah. You know, which I would do on the hour, and um, and I went to play. It was a, a minute, and this is <laughs> this is so funny. <laughs> About a minute and a half into two minutes into it, you know, and, and the you know RG, you know the utility company today they could not explain the power outage boom you br- i bring my mic down and i pot up a sound and i went to put the sound and it didn't play yeah and i had been on the job for like a month so this was like oh i got scared you know because i it's live i have to hit npr's programming in a minute and a half and and i'm like so i'm doing this and you know, and I'm going, shit, shit, <laughs> shit. And then I look over and realize that, on. <laughs> that I haven't, you know, I, I haven't potted down my mic. So, so then what happened was I'm st- it's only me in the studio. There's not even anybody in the newsroom. It's just me, small town, you know. I realize I have to get through the rest of this thing. And I realize that I've been swearing uh-huh. into the into the <laughs> So, so then I go on to just try to close this thing out, and there was a, a weather, you know, I had to read the, the weather stats. Like, in weather today, the we used to do, like, the barometric pressure is this, the winds are coming from the northeast at this, and the temperature is this. So I was, but I was so mortified that I had been swearing two seconds earlier that I'm like, in the weather today, the winds are coming from, from the northeast at zero miles an hour, you know, and like, like the temperature is nine degrees. It was like I had to read the three neighboring states. It was in Missouri. It was like Arkansas, you know, Tennessee. I had to read three different states, and I called Arkansas, Arkansas. You know, <laughs> <laughs> this is like a debacle going on. It was the winds coming out of nowhere at nine miles an hour that was just, <laughs> I remember thinking, I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. And then I forgot my name at the end. <laughs> That is, that's epic. That's an epic meltdown. I love it. But here's the thing. It was like, it was a Saturday night. I used to do this, these horrible shifts. It's, you know, the, you're a beginner. I went, I went home. My boyfriend at the time said, <laughs> I walk into the house and I'm just trying to hold back tears. I thought he probably, I was hoping he wouldn't even be there. Like he was maybe out, you know, gallivanting. And he just, he's just looking, he's standing in the kitchen. And he's looking at me like, are you okay? <laughs> and I immediately began to cry because I was hoping nobody had heard it. Yeah. Next day, next day, I get this call from the boss. Yeah. 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 And uh, special training was involved. Like, let's teach you how to do this correctly. Yeah. So, that's his first job. At least they didn't fire you, eh? I'm right? lucky. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that is true. Yeah. It was an innocent mistake. It yeah. was the swearing <laughs> for, oh, 30 seconds that was like, yeah. shit, shit, shit. This is a panic swear. Do you think, like, later, because, I mean, stuff goes wrong all the time on live, right? I mean, live radio, live oh, yeah. TV, this stuff goes wrong all the time. Do you think later you just learned, like, because I, I think in those moments, what I learned over the years... Just calm down for a second. Calm down. We got this. Yeah. Right? Do you think that, did you get there? 
Yeah. Over the years? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, when you're young, you're like, oh, press every button, press every button, figure, figure it out. Planet, that's kind of what I mean, though. After 35 years of broadcasting, yeah. all I knew, and some pretty intense, like, last decade. The last decade of my life has been pretty intense. You know, a lot of changes, unexpected caregiving years that you don't know. You'll find out. <laughs> yeah. um, just a lot of life changes. And I just knew, I, it was like, I looked at everything and thought, I've done that. I've done that. I've done that. If not now, when? It's all okay. Beautiful. You know, it's the same kind of thing. You know, like, I've, got, I've survived that. And I did that. It's going to be okay. And I could have stayed. That's the thing. It was just a decision. Oh, yeah. Either one. It, but for me, it was going to be in all in. You're gonna, it's going to be all in. Stir that sauce, baby. Yeah. Or not. And I just, I just knew. Well, af- after Missouri, you had, um, did you have one other stop or was it Missouri I, right back to Rochester? No, I, I was at Missouri. Um, I worked in public radio in Columbia, Missouri. Then my first TV gig was in Jefferson City, Missouri, which is the capital. Mm-hmm. Um, those, are, those are huge learning years for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would have done anything. Yeah. You know, when you're learning, and just, you'll just do like, yeah, I'll work around the clock for you. Yeah, sure. You know, yep. I did, you yep. know. Um, and then from there, I moved very briefly to St. Louis. I had a freelancing gig there, um, basically interning for a station, but it was a paid internship. It was nice. Um, and then from there, I moved up to Traverse City, Michigan for my first anchoring job. And, um, and then I stopped for about nine months and I went back to the University of Missouri which are where I'd been through graduate school and taught um, you know reporting 101 um, producing 101 a lot of producing classes which is a lot of writing uh, and then I worked in there uh, they have a they owned a television station the University of Missouri Journalism School owns a television station so um, I was in the learning lab there helping students there and from there I came and then I came back to Rochester did you always have your eye on Rochester and saying yeah. like hey I want a gig there when it opens up you know <laughs> not really but I you know, because life is life, and I, I, you know, I'd been through a breakup, and this, I just thought I want to be close to family. I have a pretty large family. Mm-hmm. Most of them were back here. I was tired of at the time. I remember being very, very tired of squeezing in my time off to f- fly, um, and you know, enjoying two days of a vacation with everybody when I could have had four. You know, um, the travel was beginning to annoy me, and um, and the limited time off. So, so. It, and it's funny because when I moved back here, three of my siblings left. I was like, "Oh no! What are you doing?" <laughs> you know, they all moved. <laughs> no, not, not far away. But uh, and best move I ever made, though. I, I, you know, when you know, you know, and right. it worked. Did, it worked. Was well. it right to eight as an anchor? Was that right? The yeah. The I mean, I, I. Well, I mean, those contacts were made while I was at the University of Missouri. And it just, it was kind of like walking in the door. Yeah. And it's funny because I remember just being at eight. Um, I grew up in that, not in that neighborhood, but not far from Channel 8. You guys are the one that has the really cool studio, yeah, right? It With is. The, it really is really amazing. It's like a stage. You're on a stage there? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's well, it was built as a broadcast hub. Uh-huh. So the state, I mean, I've, I have, I, I know I have somewhere on my phone, a picture of Channel 8 with, the RPO, the Philharmonic. I mean, I, it was some version of it. Or maybe it was the Penfield somebody. I don't know if they were around that time, but this was 1950, 51. Yeah. They're just there on the stage. And and there's, stu- you know, Studio City, uh, seating, audience, uh, you know, there's an audience there. Yeah. And um, 
and so when you really go through that place, you can see how it was built for it's beautiful building. Individuals, oh. radio studios, mm-hmm. the old time ones. Did, you know? How often did you guys bring in audiences? Pre, I mean, obviously, pandemic ruined everything. But before that, how yeah. often did you have an audience in there for the news? Man, this pandemic. I know. It seems right? like it's been ten years, and it's oh my god. What, was there a time we did that, Paul? I, doesn't it feel like and, forever ago? I like I don't remember. Yeah, I, you know. I think I sat in on something yeah, once. Yeah, I mean yeah. they do town halls, and I think they, you know, I think the um, the news crew will likely return to some some um, town hall type things. They mm-hmm. can. I'm talking you know? about live audience for a news broadcast. Did oh, you ever well, do that? Well, anytime. You know, that yeah. was well for a long, long time, many, many years there while I was there. Um, we used to have guests in the studio twice three times a week you know mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the ladies auxiliary blah 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 or the boy scouts and girl scouts or you know i so. just think it's a great thing to to observe a six o'clock news broadcast yeah. i mean just sitting in the audience for that and i don't know have you ever been in such a this is an interesting question actually now that i think about it because your whole life you've been you were an eight girl like you said yeah have you ever been in the studios at 13 or 10 or anything <laughs> no but no? you know what i can still make news somehow maybe i'll figure this out <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah no but you the, know what very I, different i'm sure you know very yeah. small condensed uh, sterile i've seen pictures and yeah. eight feels like yeah. There's a show going on. Well, because eight was built as mm-hmm. a broadcast hub, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, and you know, it, it's and it's just the architecture in the building is beautiful. Yes, and it's it's really a special place. How you are in, in now that I'm even talking about comparing the studios, you are an insanely loyal person too, because something about media is there's not a ton of loyalty, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. your contract probably came up every few years, yeah, and every few years you probably had the opportunity to pick up the phone and say, "Hey, let's chat." Did you ever do that? Am I allowed to ask you that? You're retired now. You're not going to get Well, let me tell you. You know, I would say that's probably. I never felt the desire to move, and I'll tell you why. Um, it was there was never anything going on that made me go, "I need to get out here." And ever, this mm. was—it's always been like family to me, always, always will be. Actually, yeah. Um, even when I know no one there, someday it will always feel like my home. So, so there, there was never a reason to inquire. If there were nibbles coming the other way, I was like, nah. And here, because why would I want to? It's I never looked at it as the the job is the job. The job's going to be the same wherever you are. And I was comfortable. I was, you know what I mean? Yeah. There was just never any impetus to leave. And I loved the people. And that's actually probably the most important thing. You know, they were my friends. Can I tell you something else? I I think you'll take this as I think you're going to take this as a compliment. (laughs) I really hope so because it, ultimately this is this is a big compliment. But <laughs> oh my god, that doesn't sound good. But it, it's like, <laughs> what are you going to tell? Well, me? I moved to Rochester in 2007. I, oh yeah. So oh, I'm not are... I'm not a native, yeah. right? So when I moved to Rochester, um, it seemed as though Channel 13 was kind of like the. Yeah. But it really feels like in the last bunch of years, Channel 8 kind of took the spot. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, we've held our own in the ratings. You know, it's a very competitive market, um, meaning that. Um, 13 by, by nature of it's just, it's, it's history. It's been a, the big gorilla for decades right? and has sort of maintained that, um, that place. Um, but not always, you know, occasionally and, and you're right. I mean, um, it feels like eight really came on and became like the station. I, I mean, yeah. I can tell you, yeah. I, I don't know if I should say this, but in this house, 
eight is the station we watch. You uh, know? I'm thrilled to hear that. Yes. And, and you know, some, and you know what? Last night I was actually I was at a retirement party for myself, <laughs> and um, uh, one of the producers who's at Channel Eight came swung by, and I adore her. She's so smart, but she's so. You know, she 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 does some interesting writing outside outside eight and other does has her hands in some other projects, but it it's she, it's people people don't realize this, but it's these there's am, amazing people also behind the scenes mm-hmm. who really work hard and to make this happen. So when you say that, the people who love hearing or should be hearing that are a lot of the people behind the scenes who literally. Patch it together day to day. You, you know? do. I mean, eight, yeah. eight looks great. It's crisp. Cl- I don't even know how to explain what I'm trying to say. <laughs> crisp, clear. The graphics are good. Like everything yeah. Yeah. on eight is just is perfect. But uh, ultimately, I feel like the journalism on eight because I feel like mm-hmm. um, it's it's tough for me to say this because it's not knock on other anchors. I'm just saying the it feels like the anchors at eight actually also give a shit. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. when I'm watching like you and Chodek, like it actually feels like those are journalists sitting there uh i don't i don't know you make me miss my job i know i know (laughs) i'm gonna have to talk to adam maybe we can like you know whip something up and for you and you know just to humor me if more anything else but you know what thank you that is so nice and uh, as i said i think that um and i hope you continue i don't know where they are in terms of finding a replacement but um adam is literally the bee's knees he's the best um he's He's such a good storyteller. He's so darn funny. I mean, you, you you wouldn't necessarily know just watching, but like he could have me laughing yeah. like in those commercial breaks. Like you, you just don't know. Did you ever have to be careful during a commercial? Let's talk about some behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever have to be careful during a commercial break when you get laughing, but you have a serious story coming up? Did you ever have to be like, okay, or is that just your pro? You can turn it on. You off. can turn it off. Okay. I could. I mean, yeah. there was only, there was one t- time. <laughs> I'm just laughing thinking of Two times. <laughs> I remember years ago, yeah, but you do. You can, ha, 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 in the news today, you know, yeah, a child rapist escaped from the, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's the, oh, God, yeah. you don't want to laugh through that. Yeah. But um, but years years ago, I was doing, I was, it was the end of a newscast. No, no, no. It was going into weather. And they did a little story about some yogi, or I think that's what they call him in India. He was revered, and he was doing a like a walk a 300 mile walk from his village to somewhere you know and it was a religious pilgrimage but (laughs) but when I looked at the video what I didn't realize that he was doing it like in his yogi poses he was literally rolling down a dirt road you know in these uh, these revered like there was they must have been like I don't know it was but he was (laughs) he was rolling (laughs) <laughs> in his and his and it was like no one could possibly achieve that that whatever whatever he was doing it was like how, how is he doing that and and so I, I but it, it was just a funny look and he you know yeah it was funny to and me and you're seeing it live for the first right time. and I looked yeah. over I'm like oh god what is that what's he doing because <laughs> he and he is making this pilgrimage and I but I couldn't do it you know <laughs> I was I lost it <laughs> and I remember I don't know if you remember Dave Yates see Dave Dave didn't well he's he actually works in one of the local school districts now he was doing sports and he who had not been watching started laughing so hard because I was laughing. and then he started watching and it became funny my brother called like oh my god hold it together you know 
<laughs> but you know, you lose it, and then I lost it for five minutes. Uh-huh. It didn't matter what was being said. Thank you so much, <laughs> you. Weather so those moments are rare, but they do happen. What about the other side? How do you how do you keep it together when you're reporting on something heinous, right? When you have a crime and and you're you're the anchor, right? You're the one who has to keep that together professionally. We have to professionally put the but at the same time you want to say, "Hey, this asshole, <laughs> yes. you know, and you want to go yeah. nuts with something, yeah. but you've got to be the anchor who's bringing this in a professional way. How do you keep it together in those stories yeah. where you just want to say something like, this is, this sucks? Yeah. Actually, that's hard. And you know what? That's, yeah. I would say that's played a role in my decision now. Like, it's time. Really? Like you want, I, want, I just want to be able to say, wow, that really stinks. What can I do to help? Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, in life in general. Um, and when you're angry, you have this... You know, there's a, you must maintain some, <laughs> yeah. some impartiality and some, it's important. So, um, training takes over. It's kind of like, I remember interviewing Pam Melroy, who is from Rochester. She's a, she now helps lead NASA. She, I went to high school with her and she commanded two space shuttles and, you know, piloted another. Um, but, and I went down to visit her as a story for Channel 8. I was down in Houston watching her go through training for one of her missions, her space shuttle missions. And I said, well, how do, you, do things go wrong? I said, do things go wrong? She goes, oh, yeah. You know, you're up there hooked up to the space station, and you've got to do four, you know, spacewalks and make sure the ship's, you know, hooked up right and the, all the compressors are working, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> things break. So she said, oh, yeah, things go wrong. And I looked at her like, oh, God. <laughs> you know, if they go wrong up there, you're really screwed. You know, it's like, well, how do you deal? She goes, that's why it, you're talking to me a year and a half before we go up, and I'm here 12 hours a day. Yeah. And you know what we're doing over and over and over again? The same thing. She goes, so when you're up there, when train, when things go wrong, you don't panic. You, well, she goes, yeah, there are a couple of moments, you know, you know, you swallow hard and go, geez. But um, the training takes over. And I, I remember that clicked for me. Because that's kind of a similar scenario and with far, far less, you know, the stakes are much lower, but, but training takes over. And so you learn to just, to just keep going, to talk about what's happening instead of how you feel, to return to it, to, and to ask questions um, based on, based on what you see and what you're hearing and what's real you know but um but storytelling is a little different and that's where i've i've always been a softy i mean i've cried you know out on you know with people you know when when i knew that's that's reporting you know what's um, the secret to good storytelling because you're a great storyteller yeah i love to i mean i, I i'm well, i'm so lucky i mean telling i remember writing your story like you know like Voila! <laughs> At the end, like, oh yeah, I found a phrase. Boom, you know. Um, but it helps that you were a great interview. You know, I will say that. Um, what's the secret though? Like, what's the thing you're looking for when you hear it? You go, bang, light bulb. That's a story. Is that just season and experience? I mean, would you have recognized it when you were 22? I, I don't know. That is such a good question. For me, all I know is it's a feeling. Yeah. It's a feeling, you know, like, oh, this, I mean, I have to do this. I have to t- tell you. And that doesn't mean it's going to be easy to tell the story. You know, you're, you're sweating it like, oh, God, 
how do I write this? Have, have you ever mm-hmm. found yourself in the middle of a story and realized halfway through, I don't know if this is... Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's far more common. But uh-huh. I've always told, especially young reporters who are stressed, I said, look, there's going to be one story. It doesn't matter what, it could be about, like, you know, mayhem at City Hall or corruption or car accident or the best dog in the world who's you've got one sitting here in your yard. English Bulldog Oxford sitting <laughs> Oxford. in on the interview. I mean, it's it my could co-host. Be an, it he's could, the best. He doesn't talk. He's, I can't believe he's maintained that position for an hour. He's sitting up just, you know, wow. But it could be about anything. And, but you're going to, you're, it's going to make you feel so good. It's something about how you wrote it or how it came together or how you kicked ass all day, like with live shots, putting that story and doing it. The day is going to be so good. It is like fuel for the next 30 days Mm -hmm. of grind. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And as long as that's happening, that is your passion. And do you think it's important to, I love the the message what you're trying to tell right now is it's not every day is going to be this amazing day of just like bang, 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 it worked perfectly. Yeah. Because you are going to have those days where it's like, geez, none of this is working, right? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like, (laughs) Let me cry now. Yeah, yeah. Where's the booze and the Ben and Jerry's (laughs) at the end of the day? I think just like nothing. I, we all have them in all professions, but you have yeah. those days where it just clicks and you go, this is what I'm here for, baby. Yeah. Yeah. This is right. Then you have days where your air compressor breaks <laughs> or you have days where the live shot just isn't, ah, it's just not what I thought I was going to get. through the whole thing you, or you're not up to it or something's going wrong. Yeah. How do you get through the dip? Is it is it the high from the, from the great day that gets you through the low day? That's what I find at least. I think, well, this is what I'm saying. I think as long as you want it, as long as you've entered into it with the desire to do good work or to get better at what you're doing, as long as you want it, period, yeah, yeah. that is that fuel of those good days. It's, it is fuel. Yeah. It's always been the case for me. It's all, it's, it really, to the very end, is what served me. I always knew on my worst days, and God knows, I, I've, I you know, the pandemic was particularly hard for me, I, for so many people, but... It was hard. You've mentioned that a few times. It was. It was, well, the isolation of it, the, the, um, I got, t- this is going to sound terrible, but I got, it was, it got to the point where I was tired of reporting about it, you know? Oh, I, I mean, here's the thing. This is when I knew it was time to leave. You I, know? And it's hard to say this out loud because I don't want to come off like somebody who, I love the media. Mm-hmm. I was in the media for many years. I have nothing against the media, yeah. but me too and it's hard to say it out loud i'm like i'm like just shut up yeah. like i'm no, done I know. I'm done, no, I'm no, done. Okay. i get i know <laughs> i know i'm gonna get vaccinated i'm gonna be careful but the problem is they gotta they gotta worry about these freaking doldrums who won't go get back so they just keep pounding the message yeah. meanwhile my poor wife's scaring the shit out of her because <laughs> I, know, she, I know she's the type but of person who's listening yeah. to every word you're saying going, they're still I talking know. about it two years later i can't leave my house this is too scary yeah but it was it was just everything and yeah, it was just, I, I found the pandemic as, well, as the year dragged on, there was so much going on, so much strife. People were arguing about Ugh. everything. And that's been going on for years, but this was, this was, this, it felt silly to me almost, not silly, just weird. Anyway, but few, but still, I will say this, despite that, even if it was something going on behind the scenes, for me, the joy of helping producers put together a freaking great show you know yeah. i mean um it was always fuel to the very end and that is what that's how i know i i have still my passion right yeah. that's passion that's creativity that's that carries you through 
How involved yeah. were you uh, in putting together a show? Like when the produ- the, that's the producer's job. You're the anchor, right? Yeah. How much were you like, I'm going to stay out of their lane. They're going to stay out of my lane. Or yeah. how much were you like, yeah. how can I help? Well, I I certainly have gotten into my share of trouble over the years when I've overstepping. <laughs> I've I've over. It's like you don't know what you're doing. Get out of the way. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to fix this. Or whining to my you know to my closest friends our co-workers like they they yelled at me and they don't they don't appreciate me it's like no one asked you to you know look at all i'm doing and they were like no one asked you to do this okay it was a hard lesson to learn it still is you know i want to help fix and and also like remind you every two seconds how much more I know than you but anyway (laughs) um but ultimately ultimately it was a teaching job and um and I learned more in the end after all these years working with young producers and reporters than I'm sure I ever taught them um I learned about compassion I learned about letting go I learned about um coaching and then watching with delight when somebody turns around and teaches you something and it's like holy cow that's cool you know um did did you enjoy watching but i I have had my moments that's for sure (laughs) when you first started putting together a story and i'm talking about the technical aspect of putting it not storytelling but now let's talk about actually editing video together has to have changed so much over the years as young people came in and all of a sudden instead of like I, and I'm just talking radio language here because I don't know anything about TV <laughs> but you know cutting up tape oh yeah oh yeah and then it became all software and yeah. I think the same thing in TV right cutting up tape and then it turned into like these kids are flying around on Adobe Premiere like it's nothing yeah. just like swooping I, this into there and all of a sudden I, I, they no. put together I look at what they do I look at <laughs> these twenty some young 20 somethings um, today and look at what they're doing and I'm in awe in awe um, they put that shit together and fast. They, That's they the other deserve thing. far better compensation for, I think, what they what they go through. Because, oh. you know, Thank you for because, that because the technology has made it so much easier to do things on your own, they're now expected to do 10 times as much as I ever did when I started out. And you know what? This is, it's it becomes impossible to think and be thoughtful as a reporter if you're if you're slamming so much content out there day to day like that, that's my opinion. Uh, yeah. I, I think you're, but, I, I'm so glad you said that because um, there was a gap for sure in, in at least in radio, there was a gap between some of those, some, some people were making a lot of money and yeah. then there was a giant gap. Yeah. And there were some of the people that were not making a lot of money were working really, yeah. really hard, yeah. which I actually, believe it or not, think is okay me too for a little while yeah well I, like I said those first two years reporting yes I would have I did work around the clock yes. sometimes I wanted it I was hungry but it was always with the hope and expectation yes. that I would be compensated one day for yes. it yes <laughs> yes I think that there is a little bit too much of a tendency sometimes to let that couple years two years turn into four turn yeah. into six turn yeah. into eight and no, the, that's that's industry wide yeah it is that is why I you see so. so much turnover and it is certainly not Rochester or just one station it I is agree. Yeah. it is everywhere and um and you know it's I don't know if it's sustainable in the long run but we'll see you no know? I, I don't either I mean let, well let's talk about that a little bit so um, media has changed and again I can only really speak on radio and at this point I don't know to what extent I can speak on radio because it's been a couple years for me <laughs> do you miss it but sometimes oh for sure I mean oh, you're doing sure. this but yeah I, I do this because what we talked about earlier that little piece of my heart yeah that still 
will always love radio. There's there's a little part of my heart that will never fall out of love with radio. See, now, thank you for doing this. I've needed to hear this today. Yeah. So, yes, I yes. get it. Yeah. There's totally a little piece of my heart, but everything, uh, the reason you're here right now is because <laughs> everything you've said is absolutely s- hits home with me so much. Yeah. Sitting in that studio, I'm thinking to myself, I want to do something else. I want to do something more. Yeah. And ag- needing to act on it, right? Yeah. And I, that's the same thing for me. That's yeah. exactly where I was. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that I wasn't in love with radio when I was in it. And that doesn't mean that I don't. And so that's why we're sitting here talking to these microphones. Yeah. Because it's me (laughs) feeding that one little piece of my heart that still kind of goes like, oh, that was that was your first love, man. And I love what I do now. I love what I do now. But there's just a little bit of first love left always in my heart for this. Yeah. There always will be for me. Yeah. There always will be. But it's there's no doubt. I was in for 15 years. You got me beat by by a a few years. (laughs) (laughs) 15 more, baby. (laughs) Yeah. There is no doubt that in just those last 15 years, holy cow how did it change and yeah I mean when I first started on the radio everyone was listening to the radio and now and 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 I now this is where our conversations are going to split a little because tv and radio do have some some differences but radio was really just thriving based on that's what you're going to do in the car right and I think back in the day day a lot of people listen to the radio at home but like in the last 15 years at least when I came in in 2005 you knew you had them Mm -hmm. when they got when they're on their way to work and when they're on their way home from work, you knew you had them. Yep. And you don't know that anymore in no. radio. And that's been a few years now. Podcasts, yeah. Spotify, it's crushed that. So yeah. I also had, in my heart, I had love for radio. I had this desire to do something else. But I also had this looking at the business of radio and going, ooh, mm-hmm. I don't know that this is, I might survive this. Yeah. I might not. But I don't know that I want to put my personal faith and the well-being of my family in the hands of where this seems to be going. Yeah. Is that bad for me to say? <laughs> no, it's very common. Is that related at all? Okay. <laughs> totally. All right. Yeah, it's so common. Yeah. And TV, too. There are many, many, many people right here in Rochester who did well locally in TV and who have since gone on to find completely different careers. Mm-hmm. And that is, they need to provide for their families. They're looking ahead. You know, um, yeah, I, I, I've always, especially the last five or ten years, if I was invited to be on a panel or talk about the future of the business, I, I don't know. I, you know, the technology just went beyond me about five years ago, and I never recovered. It's like what, you know, what is this? Um, and it's funny because I, I was a one-band band operation when I started carrying around sixty-pound, you know, light kits and camera, ten, you know, hundred-pound cameras, and it's just amazing how much it's changed. But the the reporting will always be in demand. Of course. You know, despite what people say, you 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 know, people will need to read some sort of newspaper or news article. Do you? I mean, there it, it's quantifiable in in social media circles where they've done studies. People don't click on video, but they will read. You know, and so the the demand for reporting will always stay there. That's what gives me hope. I just don't know what form that's going to take. Mm-hmm. And it scares me because somewhere along the line, you have to have people out there who are running these companies who insist that there be that standards be maintained. And I think as technology takes over standard, it's easy for standards to slip. So I'm just talking about the the 
the profession of reporting itself. Good, so can I ask you specifically, I think what you're talking about is um, Twitter. Yes, social example. media has so changed everything. But you know? that is that is how quickly news will break on Twitter yeah. and how quickly a journalist will feel the need to get something out there because they're because back in the day it was relatively easy to break news but now you're getting beat by regular people who are breaking news on twitter themselves i know that's, without even that's realizing a weird thing citizen <laughs> journalists if you will yeah, yes yeah. <laughs> who they don't even know they're breaking news no. most of the time they're just <laughs> yeah. like they're just like oh by the way i'm you know i know I, I actually i i did it once on accident it was such a minor story but i wrote a thing one day i got a phone call from my buyer at hearts local grocers and she was like oh it's so sad you know we just found out we're closing at the end of next week um can you just do me a favor send me all you open broke invoices that story? on accident <laughs> on accident and she said she said to me she said uh can you just make sure you have all invoices to me by the end of the week it was very like it was very much not i didn't even realize i was breaking this news and i went on uh facebook right after that um, I happened to be waiting in a park. I just happened to be waiting in a parking lot for something, and I had time, so I was on my phone. And I just assumed that I was the last person to hear about this. Yeah. But it turned out I was the first person to hear about this. So I just went on Facebook and said, what a bummer about Hearts Grocers. Oh, my God. I love that store I so Actually, much. Actually, I... I I still miss her. I do too. I I I sent hit send on that. I think I went fished through some podcasts and within about forty five seconds. Mike DiGiorgio from Thirteen Way was calling me, going, "What do you know about Hearts Grocers? Somebody said you just broke some." And I'm going, <laughs> "Huh?" But here's the thing, though. That kind of crap, I think, happens all the time, right? Yeah. Where regular people, or they just get a video of something, yeah. a boat yeah. burning on yeah. Canandaigua Lake. Yeah. They'll Last night on Twitter, somebody was, I can't remember who it was, was some kid in East Rochester is trying to break the record for the most time spent swinging. Oh. Not, he's on a swing, on yeah. a tree. And somebody just tweets it. It was the middle of the night. Yeah, yeah. And there were all these people going, I'm like, this is the best thing ever. You yeah. Know? Yeah. <laughs> but that's a minor example. But you, yes. Um, but where I'm going with that is so people, so the, so now a journalist feels the pressure to like yeah. get it fast. And when you're rushing, <clears throat> mistakes happen. Totally. Right. Yeah. The best Twitter is Twitter that says confirmed. Yeah. 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 <laughs> da, 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 da. Not just in, which I'm totally guilty of, but confirmed, <laughs> confirmed you know, because yeah. it tells you that they... They've gone through a process of fact-checking yeah. <laughs> and confirming. Um, I still yeah. believe brands, though, that, you know, that 8 logo, yeah. you know, that <laughs> D&C logo, yep. I still will see that and put more credence into it because I still hold on to mm-hmm. they had to do more work before they were allowed to tweet that yeah. than did Joe Schmo 86493. Yeah. Oh, I know. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't trust... I'm a total brand person. I mean, I yep. have my go-tos, and I guess everybody's different that way. But um, absolutely, I. Yeah, I think one of the the uh, the tough things about social media is it just feels like a gossip rag. Oh God! And people are constantly angry you know, at each other. And- oh yeah. So, um, and everybody's got an opinion and yeah. a comment, which they which can be easily masked as a fact until you kind of start going through. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I no, I mean, I. And you know what? I, in just the three weeks I've been gone, I, I'm kind of retweeting all the Channel Eight stuff. You know, it's it's my baby, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. um, but I still use them. And it's like okay, um, and the DNC, all the, actually thirteen ten, it's like just good people on all those places. Oh yeah. Oh, um, we've got a great 
yeah. little community here, we do. I think. It's, yeah. And I think that you're right, that the content is always going to be desired and needed. Yeah. So that's the good news. The good news is the content that's being created is still very much in demand. Yeah. And I think the same thing about radio. Like, the, you know, I spent so long on the Brother Wee's show. That content, you know, that Monday morning after a big Bills game, <laughs> hearing yeah. what Brother Wee's opinion was on that <laughs> yeah, game. yeah is desirable content yeah there's no question about yeah. that it's just about how do i get it to where people are which i think of course there's no denying in 2021 is the phone right yeah. how do i get it to their phone how do i get it there immediately and then ultimately how do i make money off of the fact that i'm giving them this content these are all questions that are still being hashed out evolving yeah. all the time it's it's a tough time right now i think just that the technology has changed things so much that the process has to catch up yeah you know yeah. um but i'm grateful for the people who who do this work you know thank god yeah you know um you know because i know what it's like i know what they're doing and um and <clears throat> the people with the brands man you know at least you know you can complain you can insist that they you, they they will issue corrections. I mean, that's part of this is the standard I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. So when I see a brand and then confirmed, or a reporter who works for a brand operation and it says confirmed, I'm like, yeah, they were they were doing it. They yeah. were following the standards. They did the thing. Yay, the yeah. thing. They did the thing they're supposed to do. Yeah. Just like you know my tomato sauce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I did the thing. The thing. Did yeah. I chop the going and all this? Yeah. Hoping, what do you mean by minced? Should yeah. I mince this garlic? <laughs> or just what's the, what's the difference between chopping and mincing? <laughs> so do you think journalistic integrity on social media is, is going to become a thing that will be taught, probably is already being taught in communications classes in college? You know, I don't know. I, it's been so long since I've really taken a look inside what's happening academically yeah. at, at journalism schools. I have no doubt that um, it has to be right that this yeah yeah because it's like because it's yeah. like that counts now yeah. and i i think that maybe me and you it was like only when i'm in the studio and the microphone is on or the camera is on that counts that's right. when i have to be yeah, no. but when i'm on twitter that's just me that no. doesn't have to count no, and i mean now people like, are no. people have been fired for for reporters and anchors have been fired for and actually a lot of different people have been fired for what they put on social media it's there's no question but you're also talking about teaching of standards and what's what's appropriate and what's not yeah. Yeah. you know when you're in that role um just to maintain standards a journalistic standard you know so i hope so Oh, this is something I'll have to look into, actually. <laughs> What's going on in our you, local journalism You have a, a history of teaching. I do. Do you want to, when, when <laughs> in your next thing, do you want to completely change it up and do something completely unrelated? Or oh. would you go teach journalism? You know, I think if I, if I were going to step into a teaching role, there were, there's a couple things that, that kind of I thought would be fun. I don't think I'd want to teach journalism, okay. but I would want to teach storytelling. Oh, yes. Do you know what I'm saying? Huge like, deal, yes. There and that made that that's not quite maybe is in demand, but what I have to say about storytelling is eminently teachable and learnable. Like people can access this. I mean, I don't think anybody can achieve my level of talent in this regard. You know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but what what I'm saying is what I, if I were to break down what I what I've loved the most and how I do it, it's eminently some it's something that other people can 
do, mm-hmm. you know, especially students to learn that. What percent um, do you think of storytelling is God-given talent? You mm-hmm. just, Maureen's <laughs> DNA is just built to, to know and tell stories versus actually learned skills. Wow, I never thought about that. I mean, one of I the, think there's a portion that is God-given talent. I, I do. do, and this yeah. is this is sort of what I'm saying though. When I taught earlier, when I told you, wow, I was watching an interview with myself and listening to that story I wrote, and I was like, man, I'm good. Yeah. This is me two days after I've left the career, yeah. you know. And I, it had been years since I'd sunset said that about myself, just like that. And so, so I, it it was that was me honoring what is innate. And I think we all should be doing that. Find that, find that part of you and celebrate it. And I don't think we do. So, but that was me rediscovering it after years of going, well, you know, just being stressed, you know, and slogging under the slog and doing all these things. But, um, so yes, I do think there's an innate and you have to be careful as a teacher. Like I might just do, you know, here's how you do it. And nobody, you know, what? Nobody else can access my DNA, you know? Yeah. But... But just like I was talking about training, you know, if you, if I teach you some mechan- some of the mechanics that help me, it's, it, there's a mechanic part to it. Like here's some, here's some ways to get her, to tell a good story. And if you learn those things well, then your innate, your DNA is going to come out. You're giving your DNA a platform. Yes. You know what I mean? And I think that's what I would want to teach. I think it would be wonderful if you taught storytelling. Because I think, first of all, I, I do think there's some combination of God-given versus learned. I don't yeah. think it's 100% either thing, right? Yeah, no. Of course not, yeah. And any person who signs up to take that class probably has a little bit of the DNA in them because yeah. they signed up in the first place. Yeah, yeah. And which is thrilling for any which, teacher. Yeah, like, exactly. You're here. Yay. Yes. You yeah, know? <laughs> exactly. And they, they, and you know, the mechanics that you can teach them is just going to take them to the next level. Yeah. And then there's also places in storytelling for maybe somebody doesn't, maybe, maybe there are people who have different levels. You're obviously, you're like the LeBron of storytelling, right? <laughs> you're an amazing storyteller, but there could be people who are really interested in storytelling who maybe it's not, quite there for them but that doesn't mean they can't help in some way perhaps be an assistant producer on a story yeah if, oh yeah you know mm-hmm. go out and get some of the video that's going to go great with this story oh, i well, mean there's so I'm many ways i'm so glad you brought this up because yeah. i never worked in a vacuum i mean i might be sitting there at three in the morning trying to figure out how to finish the story about you and your granddad right yeah. which is really literally what happened i remember <laughs> kind of finding this last line i was like wow i've done it chef's kiss you know um but Putting the story together, I have a vision for it. Guess who I'm sitting down with? An editor. Yes, yes. And I'm telling you, there is, it's collaboration. It's, it's a thing of beauty. Oh, my God, thank you. That's so good. Oh, you thought of this? You know, uh, you know while well, you did this. and Oh, I see where you're going. Let's do this, you know. Um, and actually, that is, I'm going to miss those relationships because I don't, you know, I might write a great story, but I'm, I'm looking at a photographer's video, and I'm working with an editor who knows how to just pot up the sound right there. It wasn't, you know, yeah. to, to bring the words to life, you yeah. know. So, um, you know, can I give you a piece of advice too? You can get your feet wet on this. You don't have to dive right in and go be a professor and take a job. <laughs> you could go to like the brainery or something yeah. and do a storytelling class. Try it once. Try it one what time. What a great idea. I can hook you up with that. Just try it one time. Try it one time, and maybe you do it, and you go, awesome. And maybe you do it, and you go, well, I yeah. don't know. Well, the only person there was, you know, 
Irving. <laughs> yeah, one guy showed up to my class. <laughs> Irving. I don't know why I said Irving, but there's a story there. Maybe. I'll help you promote it. I'll help you. And if you don't know the Brainery people, I'll introduce you. And I'll if play you... your story and tell you how, tell people how I put it together. All right. I work <laughs> you know what, though, Paul? I have to tell you. Huh. I have favorites. I do have favorite stories. I was. That's going to be my last question. Is and, what's your favorite? And, and when Adam said, you know, what are your favorite stories? I, are you kidding me? I can't, you yeah. know, I, but yours was definitely one of my favorites. Oh, well, you and don't have to say to, that. No. I, feel, I, I mean, I, okay. Okay. I have, I have thousands of favorites. So uh-huh. yours was one of my favorites. Yeah, but, sure. <laughs> but really... It was just so much fun to put together. Do you have, uh, I'm, don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to say what they are. Do you have a few that you're like, why'd I do that one? That one, was, that one wasn't so good. No. No, okay. So they're all your favorites then. Well, you know what, because I've always thought, wait, I'm a, I'm a good writer. Man, you yeah. know, I mean, there are many, un- I, I don't remember most of them. Frankly, yeah, right. right? Well, but, and then when someone brings it up, you go, "Oh my God, yeah, I do remember." Right? That. Yeah. Oh, that's I mean, gosh, putting yeah. together gathering archive material of my own for the last six months. You know, since the beginning of this year, went because I've known I'm leaving. Uh, he's like, "Wow, whoa, well, I remember that. Ooh, I looked funky there, but that's a good story, you yeah. know, or whatever." Um, it's just like, wow, but yeah, I mean, it it's been. There were men. I've had so many favorite stories. Did you have to leave a lot on the cutting room floor for stories? I mean, I'm saying like you would do a story and it would be 12 minutes long, but you yeah. got to get it down to three minutes. Oh, but see, part of the part of great storytelling is enjoying the editing. Yeah, sure, I agree with that. Editing becomes its own art form. Is editing there a place for long form storytelling though? Because I think there is. Oh my God! Thank God people do it. Yeah. I mean, I I I. I think there is a place for it. Um, it's difficult in the age of social media and fast clicks and fast mm-hmm. forwarding. And you know, finding those audiences and reaching them and nurturing those audiences are it's hard. Well, you know who actually does. You know who does a good job is Adam interviews when he does those yeah, segments oh, yeah. because he'll put the twelve minute version online. <laughs> yeah. And air the ninety second version. Yep. Yeah, that's yeah. good stuff. I like yeah, that. So what about a Maury McGuire podcast series? <laughs> Where you I, are, can you be my agent here? Yes, I would love this. I would love. <laughs> Let this. me cook first. And I would, any way I can help? Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it's, the sky is the limit right now, and by that I simply mean I'm relaxing. I'm reclaiming a little bit of sanity. Um, yeah. I'm and I'm. I'm just happy. So I love the idea about the brainery. I'm going to give him a call. Yes. Know? If you need any help with that, let me know. I can help. <laughs> That'd be fun. Like um, you for, I mean, we all have a gift to teach. You know, we all have, a, we all have something that we can teach people. I'm like, yeah, I could do that. You know? Yeah, yeah. And it's just um, be like a, a way for you to just dip your toe in the water right. on it. Yeah. See if you love it. If you don't, you figure it out. Hey, that's not my yeah. thing. Yeah. You know. What else? What did we miss? <laughs> well, I, I kept you here too long already. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, know. I could talk forever. And I haven't, you know, it's one cup of coffee. I know, I'm sorry. Without that Brownstein's bagel. Mar. I know. I, was I love bring... that you're a Brownstein's girl. Brownstein. <laughs> oh, they're pumpernickel everything. Yeah. I live in the epic. For. I mean, you're here in 12 Corners. This is where I live. You came to my home. Thank you. <laughs> I live right with Brownstein's Bagel Land, and then Balsam is right there, right? Yeah. So I got all three. So I'm closer to Balsam. 
Here, oh, you're over there. I mean, oh. I live in the North Winton area, so okay. yeah, that's that's my go-to. I love brownstains, though. Yeah, I, I love brownstains. They're, try their pumpernickel, everything. I'm telling you, right out of the oven. Okay. Oh, if you're lucky enough. Right. Ooh, boy. I like it. Oh yeah. What else can you? What, what else? Are, we, are you ready? Should we go? You know, I'm bringing my son to Seabreeze today for the first time. <laughs> I'm are. off of work today specifically to yeah. go to Seabreeze with yeah. my son because I have trauma from when I was a child. <laughs> can I tell you? This is gonna. It's not. I mean, it does a little. Part? It's not real trauma. Okay. It's not. You real fell trauma. off a roller coaster. No, it's way simpler <laughs> than that. When I was a little kid, one time, this is such, oh my God, I can't believe I'm telling you this because it's so silly and stupid, but when I was a little kid, we I grew up in Northeast Ohio and we had Waldemere Park in Erie, Pennsylvania that was a half hour from where I lived. And there was this one summer where my parents told me we were going to Waldemere this summer, all summer. All summer they told me that. And it never happened. And I remember like school was going back and I remember being like, Mommy, what, well, schools, why are we going to school? We haven't gone to Waldemere yet. And you said we we're going this summer. And I just remember my mom saying, well, you know, we might go in September. There's nice weekends in September. And we never went. And I, I remember it to this day. So we've been Do you telling, hold it over them? N- no. <laughs> but I, but so we've been telling Leo all summer. like, oh, oh, It's time to deliver. And he's only three. So he, yeah. there's not a lot of yeah. stuff he can do. But they have a few little kids rides there that no, are great the kitty rides are great there so yeah. i'm like so my wife even as of yesterday was saying you know you don't have to go to sea breeze he's three he's not gonna know yeah. or remember and i, th- I told no, her that and i go no. he'll remember i remember yeah what i a remember good dad <laughs> yeah you know it's so it's so funny to me that that you know that you've just that all this has happened to you and for you and with you since you came into Rochester. You met the love of your life. Yes. You married the love of your life. Yes. You had this extraordinary son. Oh my God, he's amazing. Um, who is just so beautiful. He's so cute. You have this great house that you bought in Brighton with this, I'm staring at this this amazing garden. See some ripe tomatoes in there? Yeah, I do. I got peppers, I got <laughs> eggplant. You know, you've got this dog who is standing guard. Yeah. He's not... This, he has not moved from that position. He's an English bulldog, so he's perfect for me because he's like kind of fat and lazy, like me. No, but he has, <laughs> he hasn't lied down. He's just, it's amazing. Well, anyway, it's you've got this amazing too. business. You've you've done so well on the radio, and then you built a business from the ground up based on your love of your grandfather and this sauce and it's it's amazing to go me. on go on what else have i done <laughs> you know what i mean You're like that's not a whole lot of time do you realize this well i guess yeah it's 15 years not yeah. even i mean wow it's cool yeah i don't know i are you going to be able to relax because i'm the type of person who can't relax like retirement yeah. does sound great to me but yeah. at the same time yeah. uh i don't know that i can kick i mean my fantasy is to kick up my feet trust me yeah i yeah. think about it all the time i think about it all the time <laughs> you wouldn't be able i'm not and I, well look at i've just the reason i'm at your house today is uh yeah, you're still i'm doing ripping stuff. up my carpeting and refinishing the floors it's a royal mess yes and um do you have it in you to sit around all day every day sitting around all day no i never have that need however i have experienced what's that what's that that's like occasionally and it's glorious you know it can but be. for me there's always an end point and i don't need to, again but but giving giving myself the space right now to just not sweat this i'm going to be visiting some family here and there i'm going to do a little travel to high risk areas of covid <laughs> oh god what am i doing um and i'm going to figure it out yeah 
Yeah. How did you report on? Are you vaccinated, by the way? I am. How are did, you? <laughs> yes, I am. How did you uh, report on like the vaccinations for all that time? And, and you know, we were talking about passing opinions. Yeah, you get to the point where people just won't get vaccinated. People. People, <laughs> what do you do? Go, You're killing me, people. Just, just go do it, please. Uh, yeah, I think that, I mean, just that's hard. It's hard when you're, it's hard when, when you don't understand. Mm-hmm. When you don't, when, when the stakes seem so high. Right. And people are just arguing about. Everything. Oh, people will. That's you know, the problem with the social media. People just people will argue about anything. Yeah. Anything whatsoever. People argue about. Yeah. I just put video of myself grilling breakfast this morning, and I'm waiting to look at the comment section and see people tell me what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I know. Oh God, I know. Yeah. Um, but, well. but you know, um, I don't remember who said this. There was it was when I first start started in Rochester. I was on some panel discussion or. I don't know. And people always complain. Journalists always complain about jobs. And da, da, da. But and then we complain about readers and viewers who are mean and nasty and whatever. And that's, that's all legitimate. But I remember some old timer when I moved back to Rochester. We, I was on some panel. I can't remember who it was. And we all, you know, all of us on the panel, we went through our list of complaints and how viewers are mean and da 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 blah. And the readers are, well, you know, ill-informed or whatever. And then this old guy, I can't, you know, geezer, been around for decades. God, I hope he's not listening. Um, but anyway, <laughs> we just called him an old geezer. But anyway, he gets it. He says, you know what? Most people are really good. That's true. Most people, and this is before social media just just exploded on the scene. But he was like, most people are good. And I remember just stopping and looking. And I, I mean, totally listening to him. He's like... My experience is that we're all going to be okay. And, you know, most people are good. And, you know, so I do think that element of social media, the truth is, Polly, most people I know aren't glued to every newscast. My loved ones, my close friends, they are informed, they read, they watch, sometimes some more religiously than others, whatever. But most people aren't, haven't been glued to the phone the way I've been glued to the phone. Mm-hmm. Most people don't judge my output the way I judge my output you know what you're I mean? right you're right most people are actually good we, right. it's just easy to get hooked into the the one negative here and you're so right 95% of the feedback has always been positive yeah right? I mean and and for every one positive yeah. feedback there's guaranteed 50 other people who think the same thing and you're right that nobody's sitting down with a with a notepad and watching every second of every broadcast and breaking it down and going now see in this one she she almost stuttered a little <laughs> in between two words <laughs> oh, I've had, and, well that's because i have done those things and it's like <laughs> well bring it on you know it's a lousy day a lousy week and a lousy year um yeah no, but, but, you know, like even when you were talking about like that one comment, I mean, we're human, right? That's, we're human. So, so those things are going to sting or annoy us or whatever. But think, just think about the person who's on the other end of that, just doing that. Like yeah. in my, he, I think my, the old geezer who turned my head around all those years ago was right. Like, you know, most people are not doing those things. If they're annoyed, they're just walking away. 
True. You know, unless you've committed a felony and then they're going to do a complaint and get you arrested. Yes. But, you know. When a normal person doesn't like something, they don't they don't yeah. write a giant yeah, yeah. they just they just don't use it anymore. They're not going to mock you. Yeah. You know, yeah. like they just walk away or they just yeah. don't click it yeah. anymore or they yeah. don't watch it or they don't eat yeah. it anymore. Yeah. When they don't when they, <laughs> they don't need it. Right. Like that's what I'm going to say. Well, what I was going to say is, you know, not everyone's going to like my sauce. <laughs> Uh, there's a there's a nice pri- there's a um, good amount of people who do and I appreciate that. Uh, then there's some people who just don't care for it, and the normal way to react to that is to just not buy it. Right. But then there's that one percent of people who have to write me the email about how bad it sucks. Yeah. That's yeah. not needed, like, right? What, like, like, and <laughs> why is it necessary to go through life mocking other people? Like, what yeah. kind of person? Who are these people? And yeah. and again and again and again, most people really aren't like that. It's just True. that media. It's easy to believe they are because because most people aren't you highlight the stuff that's rare and the stuff that's not rare it's actually but the stuff that is not good yeah right and but i i genuinely believe that people are good people are people are good yeah they try you're good you're a good person (laughs) oh so are you (laughs) i think the name of this episode is going to be (laughs) <laughs> Extraordinary person, Maureen McGuire. Oh, don't make me cry. That yeah. was what you were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank oh, you. Thank you for doing this. Oh, thank you. It was you're, awesome you're to see you. You're a good one, Polly. <laughs>